0: Today on We Need to Talk, we finish our chat about languages, how to learn them, how they work, why they're weird, and also, you know, just just connecting person-to-person, people as unified entities within themselves. Because that's word solid right there for you, and we need to talk.
1: Another really cool thing that I noticed with... Um with the with norwegian specifically that made me start thinking about like is this applicable in english too are there examples in english too is um uh like the the name marie versus maria um and they specifically for whatever reason in duolingo have this and i think it's because they do a good job of slowly introducing sounds to you so that you can learn like how sounds are while also learning words. Like they're specific about what words they're teaching when. Um, so mm. um, it's, uh hit do Marie, uh No, Maria. Oh, oh, Maria. And it's, it, w- whether it's I E or I A is where they're putting the annunciation specifically, like where they're putting the, what, what's the word I'm looking for there? Where, yeah, enunciation. The stress. Yeah, where they're putting the stress on that word specifically. Is it is it on the I or on the A? Um, so it's Maria or Maria. And I was like, I, those are the same. At the first like 10 times I heard it, I'm like, they're saying the same word. How is somebody going to know if you're saying, is your name Marie or Maria, if they're the same thing? And then eventually I started hearing, I'm like, actually, where they're putting that stress is in a different spot. That's super interesting.
0: Do we have that in in English? Oh, we do. Um, So one good example is, I think we had thought of it, is so we have a, he is a suspect. So suspect. So it stresses on the sus, suspect. But then you can say, I suspect them. I suspect them.
1: Hmm. And that's denoting whether it's
0: a verb or a noun? Yeah, yeah, well, because uh, so, for instance, if you said he is a suspect he's the suspect that sounds really weird, right? Because the version of the word you're actually pronouncing mm-hmm. is different. So, here it's kind of, logistically there's a difference between the verb version and the noun version. Cause if, for whatever reason, it happens that the verb and the noun are actually the same word, which is kind of strange, but it's the same word so it gets kind of confusing. So, what People ended up doing was they had one version where the sus is enunciated and the other version with the spec is enunciated. And then we actually say it, you know, that's how you know which version is being used. It makes it more clear to your ear. That's not something that most people really even realize until it's pointed out. But if you're reading it, there actually is no enunciation there. So, you know, you can get it from context. And, you know, you could figure it out if I said, you know, I really suspect him. You know, you, you mm-hmm. can understand what I was saying, but it's going to sound kind of weird to you. Well, what,
1: right? What's interesting is that I can think of an example where that doesn't even work either. Mm-hmm. Where the verb is pronounced the same way as the noun, like you're saying. And that's, yeah. um, he's acting suspect. You would say it as if you would think he is a suspect. You would say, and but that is still the verb version.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is right. super... Right.
1: Super confusing. No wonder English is the most hardest language to learn because it's so weird. And the rules don't, Mm -hmm. they change literally all the time.
0: Right, right. But but a lot of times like those different enunciations. Like it's not something we pick up on because we have it internalized. We don't think about Mm it really. We have those like grammar and the uh, semantics and all these things. They're like in us, right? We don't have to really think about it. Whereas, you know, you're somewhere else, you're going to have to really think about, you know, is it suspect or is it suspect, right? Mm. You have to learn what that enunciation is, and that's not going to be very obvious. In, in Spanish, actually, there's actually a good example of like, a, they have a, it's a very highly stressed language or enunciated language, because, for instance, you have a hablo, which is hablo, I speak. And then you have hablo, hablo, which is I spoke, mm. uh, or is it they spoke? I forget which one, but it, it's two, it's the same spelling, except the O with the ablo has like a little tilde mm. on top of it to, and that's, you know, kind of denote the stress, but they're two different meanings entirely. And if you say one instead of the other, people are going to be kind of confused. Or, like, they're going to be... años versus anos. <laughs> oh, yeah. años, <Agnes, laughs> which is years. Well,
1: anos, which is anus. <laughs> and since uh, you say, you know, I have this many years... It's very easy to accidentally say, I have
0: seven anuses. Uh, <laughs> yo tengo siete anos. No. <laughs> yeah. And actually, anos, if you say it like more proper, it actually does sound like anus. Hmm. Anos. Anos. Mm. Anos. So, but people don't make that connection there.
1: That reminds me of um, something else that like we all imperatively know uh, as native English speakers, but don't realize we know like intuitively and it like feels right and that's the order of adjectives um that is always super super interesting to me the first time i i read something about it and i was like oh yeah that makes a lot of sense and you're giving me a look like you want me to explain (laughs) yes please uh so order of adjectives like if you have a list of adjectives you want to give a noun uh it goes in a very specific order it goes quantity quality Size, age, shape, color, proper adjective, like a nationality or a place of origin, uh, and then purpose or qualifier. So you would say, you know, um, 10 big 10-year-olds square red kites versus 10-year-old square small... Uh, blue kites, like the the order of the adjectives. That was an awful example. I should have written it, but uh, and then read it. It would have made it sounds better. Quick, but it's just very interesting that like that is. Oh wait, it has an example. Hold on, <laughs> I'll read their example. Uh, the house is. Uh, wait. The size comes before color. Green great dragons can exist great green dragon makes sense, but green great dragon doesn't unless great dragon was like a proper noun.
0: Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Cause that's the way I even perceived that like great dragon, like the great dragons came and they yeah. destroyed the middle earth.
1: But if it's like, you know, the, the best green dragon versus green, the best dragon, that just doesn't sound
0: right. Hmm. That's something where I didn't realize that was a thing. But now that you pointed out, it totally is, and I butchered it. There is a very specific order
1: for it. I butchered it very bad, but try it in your real life. like the next time you're using two or three adjectives to explain something, try mixing them up and just see how ridiculous it sounds.
0: Mm. It's kind of a logic to it as well because like the, the like the adjectives modify well, adjectives to modify verbs modify Well, anyway, there's like different adverbs, modify verbs. Adjectives modify nouns, so there's a particular way of arranging them so that they modify the correct thing. Like, uh, yeah, like a slowly moving green dog, right? So slowly modifies moving because it's slowly moving, and then green modifies the dog. So there's a kind of a logic to it, but it's not necessary that that. It, 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 there's a logic to it, but it's not necessary that that exact grammar structure is necessary mm-hmm. or, or needed. It's, it's not like as... You could arrange in different ways. For like for instance, in Spanish, you say like, uh, uh, un perro... Sorry, just do un perro amarillo, which is yellow dog, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the adverb... No, That's the name. adjective comes after the noun. Which I think makes more sense for me because whenever I read shit, I get really confused because like you start going on with these adjectives and I don't know what I'm supposed to be like imagining like, okay, it's yellow and big and it's uh, great or whatever. And just try imagining these abstract concepts and then like dog and like, okay, now I'm going to apply these things over here. Whereas if I can picture the noun first and then apply those things to it, it makes more sense for me. But there's not like a right or wrong way to do it. It just matters that you're consistent with the way you do it. That way, whoever's reading, interpreting it can put those things together into the correct package
1: or output it. You know, what's super interesting is that I think it depends on the context, too. If you're reading and trying to imagine a thing, I agree with you, noun and then modify the noun um, in that order. But If you are trying to point something out in the real world, I think it's easier to start with the adjectives and then get to the thing, especially if the adjectives perverse the thing to the point where the thing doesn't look like the thing anymore. So if you're Hmm. pointing out in the sky at a uh, big yellow kite, you're looking for something big and then something yellow and then looking for a kite versus if you say kite, yellow, big or big, yellow – like, it may not look like a kite at first because maybe it's shaped weird or something, you know? So in that way, I think in real life, adjectives first make sense. And in written word and imagination, noun make first makes sense.
0: That That's really interesting because that that actually sounds very, very likely. Like, almost like the English version of it came about from more of a verbal, say, construction of it. Whereas maybe the Spanish version, perhaps it's another reason for it, but the Spanish version may have been more influenced by writing of Spanish itself. Which could be very possible because the Spanish language uh, is kind of interesting and it's very phonetic. Like, if you can read Spanish, you can pronounce everything. Because everything in Spanish is phonetic. Like, it it sounds the way it's spelt. Which is not like most languages. But, yeah, that, that is intriguing because... Hmm. I've always thought that the way English did it was weird but now that you say that I think it's maybe not weird it's just weird in writing
1: mm. which is super interesting because like Spanish is is a romantic language so it came from some of the earliest languages and uh, English is not so their actual like core bases of of where they come from originally what they're built on are completely different and maybe that is one of the reasons there that, um, that that's that they end up, like, syntax is in a completely different way, you know?
0: hmm Right, right. And one of the things that's kind of interesting with that is different languages have different uh, conceptions or different ways of viewing certain things. So, for instance, uh, let's say I'm saying I'm sorry in English. It's, uh, I'm sorry, right? I am this thing, right? Whereas in Spanish, you say lo siento, which is translates to, I'm sorry, but uh, it literally translates to, I feel it. So it's kind of like saying, the thing you feel, I feel it myself, which is kind of more empathetic than kind of stating that you are something. And that is just a much different way of kind of viewing that that whole experience. And then there's another example with, uh, uh, me duele mi cabeza. No, sorry, me duele la cabeza, which is, my head hurts, right? So that, that's pretty simple, right? We say my head hurts in English, but in Spanish, it translates to it pains me the head. So there's kind of more of, or you could say the head the head pains you might be a more natural translation, but the head pains me. So it's like the head is causing an effect to me, where the other side is my head hurts, where it's like possessive over like the the experience. So there's two different kind of like experiences there. And like, I almost feel like the language almost like the experience a person was having translated itself into the language mm.
1: very interesting I know in um, in Norwegian it's unskilled is I'm sorry but even then like if you google I'm sor-, like, sorry in Norwegian there's like 10 or 15 different ways that you can say that exact thing including a bunch of different words that don't even use unskilled um like beklagar is also technically that. So ja beklagar samai is I sincerely apologize, uh, and I'm I apologize to any any Norwegians that I am butchering your language. But I'm learning. And I'm gonna be there with you guys, able to able to talk in the future. Um, but it's it's just super interesting because um, you know there are different ways you can say sorry. Like it's my fault, or I didn't mean that, or. I'll make sure not to make this mistake again. Um, but then there are even just like the word sorry. It can be written in different ways.
0: I think my favorite way of saying I'm sorry is I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not saying I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's near the opposite. When people say it, when people say that and they think it's like I said I'm sorry. It's like, no, no, you You did not. You did not. You're blaming this all on my emotionality, hmm. which is probably true, but still. <laughs>
1: uh So, I mean, learning, learning a language is a lot of fun, I've found. Um, and I, I get really excited when I'm practicing it uh, and I'm, like, killing it. I'm not making any mistakes. And I'm, like, uh, usually uh, – so the way Duolingo has it is they'll have a phrase. Like, let's say they have a phrase in Norwegian – and then down below they'll have uh, a bunch of Norwegian words, and you just pick the ones to put them in the right order. So I'll try and read that phrase without looking at the words below to try and like, can I do this without without those aids of being able to to see like, okay, well it's one of these words definitely, and then pick out the one I think it is, so that I'm kind of challenging myself to be like, do I actually know this, or am I just like mm-hmm. matching words together? Because those are very different. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting when I'm when I feel like I actually am. I actually know what's going on.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One aspect to learning a language, I think, is to internalize the language as well, which takes a while to do. But the goal of learning, like what's learning Spanish, you know, with all the materials, kind of like researching into, uh, big claim there, which I agree with, is that the point of learning Spanish is not to have like. You know, not to know that uh, perro is dog or gato is uh, cat. It's to really just have that internal understanding But when you see gato, that you think of the cat, but you don't think cat in English. Like, the English is kind of disconnected, and you kind of understand the language on its own. And you can kind of think in that language, which I didn't get, like... I would say I got, like, uh, maybe intermediate level, like I could have basic conversations and, you know, do, do alright with Spanish. I suck at it now, but it, but I started to kind of like get an intuition and kind of like an internal kind of thinking in Spanish. Like I could actually think a bit in Spanish and kind of like place thoughts. And every once in a while, like I would have, like i try to think of how, how to say something and then I would come up with a way to say it like uh, I don't know. I'm trying to come up a good example, but uh, que calor. Uh, bad example, because that's is like how hot, but there's certain, like, little weird verbiage things that don't quite make sense in English. Like, if you take the literal translation, it makes no sense. Like, you're like, why are you putting the K right there? The K doesn't belong in the middle of the sentence. But in English, or in Spanish, it actually does make sense with the kind of internal understanding. So once you kind of kind of start thinking in the language itself is kind of when you can start, like, really kind of progressing forward mm. with the, through the study. And kind of, like, having a real understanding of the language. And that's just my, my experience with Spanish. Uh, Norwegian, I think might be a little bit tough because it is, I think it is like a Germanic language. Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure. I
1: know that it's honestly, it's very, there's a lot of very close similarities to English. Um, like, uh, especially with their pronunciation, like here is spelled H E R. Um, and there is spelled D E R, but they pronounce it there. So like it, a lot of times you can just hear what sounds like them speaking English, um, mm-hmm. but it's all in in Norwegian. Uh, so I found it actually really intuitive and and fun to learn, um, and not not super difficult. I found Spanish way more difficult, but maybe that was just the way I was learning Spanish at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, also, you maybe didn't have like a real motivation or drive to do it. Mm-hmm. Which can affect, you know, the, the state of learning because in school you are just kind of made to learn it. And I, I wanted to learn Spanish for myself, so I loved it. Uh, but you know, like guys, I was actually studying Spanish books outside of class. Mm-hmm. That's how much I like Spanish. But if you're not like on board with it and you're just kinda of studying it and just trying to get the grade, you know, it's gonna be hard to really get invested into it. But you know, I think that there actually might be a different aspect to it for you as well. It kind of sounds like it sounds like you're just intrigued with the language.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely the case. And, you know, with I did like learning Spanish. I didn't uh, I know you and I used to do it some outside of outside of school. We just, um, you know, use Spanish phrases all the time. Um, But definitely not to your level where I was studying outside of school um, versus now. I really wish I had because it would be super useful um, to me in in my current job. So I've added Spanish to my Duolingo. Um, I think learning two languages simultaneously might be a little too much, um, but i I don't I don't think I'm I don't know that I'm ever going to get to the point where I sound like a native speaker because I don't think that's my goal. I think my biggest goal mm-hmm. is to un, be able to. Understand and have conversation um, in in Norwegian, um, and to be able to to you know assist in in uh, the learning process for for my girlfriend, and to to be able to watch those videos too uh, alongside her, because uh, those guys really are super super funny and talented.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because I've almost decided to pick up Japanese to be honest. Just because I'm watching so many anime, mm-hmm. and like I just want to know what they're saying in Japanese. Yeah,
1: I mean Duolingo. I highly suggest it's free. Um, you can pay eighty bucks a year for like all of the bonus stuff, but it's not a hundred percent necessary, especially if you have a small goal. Their max goal is twenty minutes a day, and I usually double, if not triple, that every single day. Um, so you know, it's not it's not super hard for fifteen. If you set your goal to what they consider like a a more challenging goal, it's their third out of four. There's 5, 10, 15, and 20-minute increments per day as far as your goals. Even 15 minutes per day, you could learn a language in the course of, like let's say in a year, you could be speaking that language pretty decently. Um, since I, mm-hmm. I'm able to say s- s- simple things, um, I uh, – no, I no. no high, uh, good dog. Um, so like I practiced that one a whole bunch because it's high and good day, which is super basic, um, but super useful. Um, so I think it's, it's really a a good tool and I'm sure there's tons of other ones as well. If there's other ways that you learn, um, I just think that I highly suggest there's no reason not to, if you have, if you can set aside 15 minutes a day, um, do it while you're taking a shit. Like (laughs) it's really that easy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Some recommendations I would have, because I went bubbles deep into this for a while, Mm. is uh, consistency is the most important thing to do. So if you're consistent with it, that's number one. Uh, Number two, um, kind of work on pronunciation and also the reading side. And, you know, you can even, like, say, watch, like, certain shows. Like, I used to watch, like, a bit of Pokemon in Spanish because that was kind of fun a little bit nostalgic. Uh, You can find songs that are translated into the other language. So just find things that you like and kind of like start trying to understand it and try to understand it from the perspective of the language. You do have to build a bit of a uh, you know, not a fortress, a little bit of a scaffolding to kind of get that there initially. So, you know, just learning high and stuff, you know, you have to build that little base. But then once you start getting the base, then try to understand the language in its own terms. And then beyond that, uh, use a some sort of uh, program so it's a lot of programs that have this like Memorize I think Duolingo also does some space repetition type of stuff but use a space repetition sort of scheme uh, Memorize definitely uses it I'm pretty sure Duolingo does but essentially what it does is it tests you on certain vocab or certain words or phrases and it will give you you know it, it make sure you're good on it so it may ask you a couple times you know, over the course of like a couple of days. And eventually once you get it, then they'll ask you maybe like in a week later. And then, you know, if you get it right, then maybe like uh, two weeks later, and then maybe three weeks. And it kind of pushes that out further and further. And that's a good way to not just like get the vocabulary once, but also keeps that vocab in mind because you're having to recall it, especially when it's on like just leaving memory is the best way to maintain that memory is to kind of like get it solidified. And the only other recommendation I would have is to, and this is mostly just the listeners, is to learn phrases, like put more emphasis on phrases and kind of uh, sentences as a whole as opposed to individual words. Because like with a phrase, you can take that phrase and you can kind of abstract different grammatical concepts from it and also abstract the words. So you might have like a perro cambia and I don't know, and the moon, I don't, I, I can't think Spanish right now, but you can have like a, a sentence where like the dog walks across the moon, right? So that's a sentence right there. And if you can memorize that, I mean, not memorize, but kind of familiarize with th- yourself with that sentence, you have number one, a vocab word, you have the grammar in there and you have the structure of the sentence and you can take that structure and apply it to other things. So other phrases, other things, it's inserted different nouns and kind of like, you know, piece it together. So I think that is often more important than learning, like say, high-level grammar concepts or learning individual words. It's more learning, like the like phrases, because we don't speak in words; we speak in phrases. Mm. I mean, words make up phrases, but the phrases are what actually is communicating the overall idea. So, those are just be my couple pieces of advice, which I probably start applying to myself when I start. If I start learning Japanese, it's gonna be a lot of time. Mm. If I start doing that, I mean, like, like, would your would your goal of learning uh, our Norwegian? My goals for Japanese would not be to speak Japanese fluently because that's going to be really really tough. But it'd be more just to be able to like watch, uh, you know, certain shows and with subtitles on, like English subtitles. But I'd only want to have to look at the English subtitles when I was like not understanding the Japanese. That'd be my goal. Mm.
1: And you know, I think those are all really really good advice. I think um, my my only experience is Duolingo, so I know that they do do. The spatial repetition, like you're saying, um, and they practice phrases versus vocab. Um, so I think that that it's in it's completely in line with with a lot of the things you're suggesting. Um, I think some of those suggestions might even be more than what people need because, um, like, if you're super serious about learning and like you want to to speed up the process, definitely follow all of those things. But I think you know everybody should try and learn, you know, uh, at least one other language if they can. Um, and there's, you know, it's it's really easy. It's free. Uh, and literally, you could just spend a couple minutes a day. You could even just spend five minutes a day and learn a little bit very, very slowly. And over time, it's that daily repetition like you're saying. Um, but, you know, you you don't need to necessarily have some crazy goal or, or push yourself super hard or go out of your way to look for stuff. It can really be as simple as just like, practice for five minutes a day and and you'll suddenly be learning something that can be really really valuable
0: i mm, mm, definitely agree yeah, you know what scratch japanese i don't want to learn japanese anymore i think i've learned just realized the language i want to learn oh yeah what's that czechoslovakian
1: <laughs> hey why is that nate
0: well, there's a special girl in my life. She doesn't know it yet, but Tito Angel, I'm ready to talk to you. Your native
1: tongue. we need to talk.